When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Another PGA Tour season under our belts. Big congratulations to Rory McIlroy, winner of the Tour Championship, FedEx Cup, $15 million. Did I miss anything, Nick? I mean, Rory won. You must you you missed a lot of things. No, it was it was uh, it's crazy. Some, yeah, so we're some gonna... dude started out ten under par, Joe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, what? That's the lead. Okay, so we're we're gonna get into the tour championship, but first, I mean, we wouldn't be doing justice to the at the turn patrons if we didn't start with minor Tiger Woods news. Um, so did you see that Tiger uh, got some work done on the old knee, left knee? Yeah, that kind of came out of nowhere. Arthroscopic knee surgery on his left knee. He put a very uh, Tiger Woods-like statement out on Twitter, saying the bare minimum, but that he will play in Japan in October. So there you have it. I think he's probably getting a boatload of money for this trip to the Zozo Championship, which is apparently a PGA Tour event, Joe. I'm sure you knew that. Um, and it sounds like there's an exhibition in the works as well. I don't know if anything official has been announced, but, uh, it sounds like he's going to be at a, in an exhibition match similar to the match with Phil, oh. uh, I think with a few other guys. And then he's going to play in the Zozo, uh, the Zozo classic over there. So, um, I, I'm sure he's getting a lot of money for that. So I don't think he would have done anything right now if he wasn't going to be back for that. So I assume he'll be back playing some golf, getting beat by um, some other guys on the tour in, in just about six weeks. Is that is that really where we're at still with Tiger, where he wants to have a surgery to come back for, like, a, let's just say, let's say it's $10 million even. I mean, who who cares? Like, Right, but I don't down, think he man. would. I, I think that he would he would have shut it down if, if, if this necessitated it. You know what I mean? But he's saying I'll be back for that, so I'm assuming that he'll be back for that. Okay. If somebody's paying him $10 million, he's probably going to fulfill that. I would and it's imagine. probably not. 
Well, sure. I mean, he's probably not getting paid that much, but also like, I don't know. Weren't you kind of bummed out with the way his his season ended up going after he won the Masters? No, not really. Why? I mean, like, because he won the Masters. Like, but if we sat there on on April first and said, "Would you take a Tiger's Masters win?" and then like just a kind of ho hum, disappointing rest of the season, we everybody would have said, "Absolutely, give me that." Well, there's no question we all would have taken it. I'm just saying now that it's at a point where he, he needed to have surgery on his body, like, chill. Don't rush back. It's, it's, I understand it's just arthroscopic surgery, and it's not that big of a deal. He's probably going to be, I don't know, close to 100% as he is going to be ever again in October. But I don't care about Tiger Woods in October. Like, just, so I want to see Tiger Woods play the October thing, no big deal. Like, don't even bother with anything until... Until early 2019. That's exactly right. The next time I should okay. see Tiger is at the Hero World Challenge and then at the tournament in Hawaii to kick off the season. And then, you know, a couple events and then we'll, we'll go to the Masters, baby. I don't Tiger's care about the Zozo Championship. Tiger's not going to Hawaii. Tiger's not going to play the Tournament of Champions. No. You, you think he will? Yeah. Tiger, Tiger, Tiger will play the Tournament of Champions. Really? Okay. Does he normally do that? I mean, I guess well, it's, it's been, been a while, while since he's <laughs> qualified. <laughs> You have to win to get in that tournament. Um, yeah, I think he'll play in it. I think he'll play in it. Awesome. Um, so that's, that's the coolest tournament because it's on at like 8 o'clock at night, East Coast time, which is sweet. Yeah, it's a fun one. So there you go. Tiger Woods, President's Cup captain, says he's going to play in Japan in October. Um, do, you, do you want him to play in the President's Cup? No. Not now. I did before. You I did before. I, I mean, this sort of takes it out of the equation. The fact this is Tiger Woods' way of, like, passive-aggressively saying he's not going to pick himself for a President's Cup pick, right? No, I don't think so, because he's competing before then. That would not speed up his, his return to competitive golf, because he's already committed to compete in October. So you think that this is a step for him to get to the President's Cup? No, I think it's just up to him if he wants to play. I well, I mean, I, it literally is up to him if he wants to play. Exactly. So... But I don't think that, yeah, I mean, the President's Cup's not till December, so if he's fine, he'll go. I think it'd be cool to see him be in the President's, in the President's Cup if he's healthy enough. I think it'd be fun. I always thought it would be fun if, like, and we're down a rabbit hole now, but I always thought it would be fun if the captains of these respective team competitions had a match. Like, if Tiger Woods would played awesome. 30 L's in a match, that would be amazing. It was like the last single match that would be pretty sweet or, or i think it needs to be less match. relevant i think it should be like the first singles match that's the only match they play captains go one-on-one -on -one. it's worth a point it's just part of the deal or what like, if it's just the tiebreaker rather than retaining or or whatever it's just the tiebreaker is the captain's match that wait. would be pretty sweet so like okay the captains go out and play the final day but all it means is if we tie whatever the result of that match was was the tiebreaker yeah I think I think we're on to something. What do we call? That's a great idea. <laughs> Seriously. That'd be epic. Well, let us know on Twitter if that's a good or terrible idea, please, at the turn pod on the tweets. Okay. Rory? Yeah, dude. Rory? Okay. My favorite bullet point about the Tour Championship is, so just to set the scene, are you drinking the world's smallest Coke Zero, by the way? <laughs> 
you're in California for one week and then you come back with a six ounce Coke Zero. It's actually 7.5 fluid ounces. <laughs> <laughs> They're great. I don't want a full can of soda. This oh is the perfect God. amount of soda for wow. me to drink. You, you've lost all your Portland swag and you're completely Hollywood now. <laughs> it's embarrassing. Anyways, yeah. back to Rory. So this is the tournament that he that where like the field was staggered. So so Justin Thomas started ten under par, and then like the guys who barely qualified the last like twenty five through thirty were even par, and then everybody else in the middle was jumbled in between to basically make it a less convoluted tour championship. So Rory wins. So wait the tournament. a minute. Wait a minute. I gotta I gotta pause you there. Yeah. This this makes it less convoluted because the literal winner of this tournament. Wins the FedEx Cup is that is that what it was going in? So if you started yeah. ten shots back at even par, but you won the tournament, you're the winner of the FedEx Cup. So in other words, anyone who qualifies for the Tour Championship could literally win this whole thing. Exactly. Without they can control their own destiny to win the whole thing. They don't have to win and hope that Tony Finau finishes T seven or worse, and Justin Rose finishes T nineteen or worse. There's like you know a million other scenarios. So it's literally just all right. We're going to stagger the start. And then whoever wins is the FedEx Cup champion. So Rory started five under, and he won at minus 18. But Joe, the coolest part about this, which Rory has really set the precedent for as long as this tournament exists in this format, he won essentially the gross also. So he shot the lowest score over four days. So he was minus 13. Given the minus five that he started with, he was minus 18. Nobody else was better than minus 13 straight up if that makes sense yeah so like it's pretty badass really to like go out there and actually win the tournament and he said he was he was conscious of that he was keeping track of that he wanted to go out and win it outright which i think is pretty cool also kind of a nephew to the tour in this wonky format of like hey look like i still want to go win the golf tournament okay that's that's all well and good and it you know i i believe rory had that in mind but also like give me a break because if Rory would have won by one shot and the math would have worked out that, oh, someone actually had a better score to par over the four days but started lower than Rory and Rory managed to win this tournament and got $15 million, he's not giving the check back. Like, give me a no, break, Rory. of course not. No, there's nothing on the line other than just just to say, like, yeah, I still went out and won the tournament, which is, which is cool because it is such a stupid idea to start a PGA Tour tournament, like a staggered start like this. But I'm all, I don't know. I'm, I'm so torn on this. And we did a Twitter poll, Joe. 64% of at the turn fans think this is a complete clown show. What did, what did the other 36% say? They, they like it? <laughs> well, half of them like it and half of them just don't care. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, but here, I, all right. Here is my, here is my, argument for why this is at least a step in the right direction so last year i was following this tournament pretty closely because tiger woods actually won it but it was it was not the staggered start so it was two leaderboards the leaderboard for the tournament and the leaderboard board for the fedex cup and so it was the scenario for tiger was tiger needs to win have bryson finish tied 15 or worse rose finish in a three-way tie for fifth or worse. Tony Finau finished tied for third or worse. Dustin Johnson finished in a three-way tie for second or worse. Justin Thomas finished in a three-way tie for second or worse. And Keegan Bradley to finish tied for second or worse in order to win the FedEx Cup. And all of those things happened except for one. 
Uh, Justin Rose ended up winning it. But but just for for one for rooting for one person to have to think of eight different guys and every shot that all those guys makes impacts every standing for it's just it's just that was that was worse than a, than a staggered start where, where some dude starts ten under par in my opinion. Well, it definitely is dumb either way. <laughs> let's let's be clear on that. Clear. Everything about this Absolutely. is stupid and manufactured, but. You're right. As much as I don't like the format of a player being assigned a score under par before a tournament, before a single shot is struck, <laughs> you describing that Tiger Woods scenario, you got two players in and I immediately checked out. I, I, yeah. I stopped listening so fast. It's terrible. I don't have to deal with all that. And also, you have the weirdness of, and I think this was Justin Rose. last. Did Justin Rose win the FedEx Cup last year? He did. There was a, a moment where he made like a four footer on 18 for a par or a bogey, finished like T3 and pumped his fist. And it's like, really? It was, this I, is... I, I am, a, it was actually for birdie. But it was like an easy par five. It was, it was probably playing like 4.1 that day. It could have been for Eagle, baby. It doesn't matter. It's ridiculous. <laughs> the guy's finishing T3 and pumping his fist like he won a golf tournament. Like, I get exactly. it. You won $10 million. You got $10 it's a big million. Chip. I pumped my fist too. But yeah. it just looks ridiculous. It, the whole thing looks ridiculous. Is there any way to actually save the FedEx Cup? Or, oh, or should we? Oh, Joe, there is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Two Please words lay it for on you, me. Joe. Match play. I don't care how you get them there. Get it to, even, I don't know. Figure out a way. Figure out a way. And, and just, even if it's the top two, the top four, the top eight, whatever it is, figure out a way to get, get it down and, and just do it in match play. That's that is the only way. That's the best way to determine the champion for sure. If you want to protect the guy who had the best regular season, then give him a buy into whatever or however you want to do it. Have a have a qualifying tournament to seed him. Whatever you want to do, but that's the that is the solution to this. I, I mean, maybe that's better. I just don't think there is a solution to this. Like, as soon as the major season ends, golf season's over. That is they the, should just do away with it and just not even pretend to try to have a season-long quest? No, I mean, it's dumb because the season— Is this better than like, nothing? I, that's the question. Well, there wasn't nothing because a season-long race had existed, and it wasn't manufactured, and it was based on money. Winning the money title is how you distinguished yourself as the best golfer in the year, and then you had the player of the year where you can take money, majors, titles, top tens, cuts— all the things that make a great golf season that is voted on, and you can say that is the best player of the year. You can also look at scoring average. What's so dumb about this, there are dozens of metrics to determine who is the best golfer of the year. And because FedEx is willing to pony up a lot of money, the PGA Tour has come up with a dumb system. No matter how much money they give away, it doesn't make a difference. The fact that Rory wins $15 million is completely irrelevant to golf fans. It's great for one person, Rory McIlroy. <laughs> If it's $100 million, I don't care anymore. The amount a golfer wins doesn't impact me. Like, perfect example. The Masters had over a $2 million first prize this season. No one gives a shit about the money of the Masters. It's the Masters. You don't have to manufacture anything extra to say why this tournament is important. It has the most tradition. Same with the PGA, the U.S. Open, the British Open, World Golf Championships. Like, we know what events matter. And no matter how hard the PGA Tour tries to shove this nonsense down my throat, I'm never going to look at it and say, this is as important as even 
I don't know, winning any regular tour event. It's just not. So the last group was Rory and Brooks Kepka. If if they were in a match to determine the, the season-long champion, would that be more interesting to you? No, because Really? Wow. Yeah, because because you're not it's only the season-long champion because this again new tinkered format would dictate that it was. Golf is unique. I guess any sort of individual sport is unique in the sense that it is difficult to manufacture big opponents playing each other. Tiger and Phil have been battling for 25 years on the PGA Tour. They've been paired like the last time in a major where both are in contention maybe once or twice that I can think of. And it's never been a situation where they've been tied going into the final round. One's always had an advantage. So it is incredibly difficult to have these moments happen organically. So I get it from that perspective that you want to happen that way, but that's what makes it all the sweeter. That's why when you have these famous duels and these famous one-on-ones with players, it is so special. Like one of the coolest things I saw in the last couple of years in golf, maybe it's getting on three years ago now, Jordan Spieth and Dustin Johnson were in a playoff to win a PGA Tour event. And it was one of the coolest things ever because it just happened. You know, it's not one of these things that, oh, well, we're going to have Jordan Spieth and Dustin Johnson as one, two in the FedEx Cup, and they're going to battle out for $300 million. I don't care about that. It's the moments like, you know, Nicholas and Watson and 77 and Turnberry. People are still talking about that goddamn thing because it happened so long ago, and it was just such an amazing event. And you, I just don't think you can manufacture moments, and this is all very, very manufactured. As fun as it is to see Rory and Brooks in that kind of situation, it, it just doesn't matter. So you're not a fan of the FedEx Cup playoffs. Is that what, <laughs> is that what you're getting at? I'm slightly against the FedEx slightly Cup playoffs. Against. I want okay. it to go away. I think it's more fun. To be perfectly honest with you, Nick, I have so much more fun watching the PGA Tour in November and December when they're overseas playing in Asia and Australia because it's like, oh, look at this. Justin Rose and, J- and uh, Justin Thomas are playing in Singapore right now for a World Golf Championship, and it's midnight? Sign me up. <laughs> and instead of trying to cram all this stuff in between the major season and before football starts, which is that this is clearly what they're trying to do here. Yeah, um, admittedly, I think they, I think they're open about that. Exactly. Like, yeah, we got rid of a playoff event, not because it sucked, but because we, we got to get it over before football starts. I just don't think you're going to attract any fans who wouldn't otherwise be watching golf in August by having something like the FedEx cup. No, definitely not. Definitely not. But I applaud you for trying to fix it. I do think we stumbled upon something with the, uh, the Ryder cup president's cup, uh, captains played each other for a time. Oh, yeah. So, we, we definitely solved the problem there. That's, I mean, that, look. <laughs> it's going to make the captain selection that much more interesting because you can't just throw, like, some old guy out there who can't walk anymore because he's going to have to play some golf. I mean, so, Nick, you are, you are associated with the PGA, my man. This, is, this isn't incumbent upon you to write a strongly worded letter and uh, get this thing in motion. Yeah, I'll, sh- I'll shoot an email out. Yeah, just <laughs> no reply alls, please. If you can send email for Nick. Uh, you want to move on to Steph Curry? This is a cool story. Yeah, did you hear what, what he did? Steph Curry is funding men's and women's golf programs at Howard University. So by now, uh, most people listening to this have probably heard the story, but he's going to shell out something in the millions of dollars over seven figures uh, over the course of six years to get their program started and then fund it for the first five years. 
uh, for men's and women's teams at Howard, which is which is pretty awesome. So basically, Steph had met a student at Howard who's an avid golfer and a really good golfer. And this kid basically had to choose between playing go- college golf somewhere or going to Howard. And he wanted to go to Howard. And so he gave up on his you know pursuit of playing college golf. And so Steph saw a problem and he's fixing it, which is, which is really awesome. Yeah, so Howard is a, for those that don't know, a historically black university in Washington, D.C. They're going to have these teams in place for the 2021 season. They didn't have golf at Howard previously. They played D2 in the 70s, but it's been dormant for a long time. So just an incredible thing for for Steph to do and take money out of his own pocket. And, uh, uh, you know, obviously Steph has big ties to golf. He competed in um, a couple of web.com tour events. Did he shoot par in one of the rounds in those events? I know he played well. Yeah, I think he was right around par, maybe maybe uh, one or two over or right, right at par, yeah. And, of course, uh, all of you are very familiar with the summer sensation. Holy moly on ABC. Nick, have you have, have you dipped into that thing yet? Um, so I, I did watch about half of an episode at the request of my lovely wife. And uh, yeah. she's into some really terrible TV, and that was too bad for her. Like... It's so it's it's so bogus. If Rob Riggle, I I don't know where you stand on Rob Riggle. I think he's great. If he wasn't on that show, it it, it would be almost un, unwatchable from my perspective. I mean, how much have you watched? You're, you're saying it is watchable. Well, <laughs> basically, like if you know Wheel of Fortune is on and uh, we're doing dishes afterwards, and we, <laughs> I, I hear Rob Riggle from the living room, and I know Holy Moly is on, and I'll pop in for 10 minutes. I, I realize I sound so like better an than, 84. It's better than doing dishes. <laughs> yeah, slightly better than dishes, Holy Moly. Okay. Um, no, I mean, it's <laughs> – so I love my nephew. He's five. But uh, apparently, like, my brother has had to, like, DVR all the Holy Molies, oh, and he gets up at the crack of 6 a.m. and rewatches episodes over and over again. And then, like, proceeds to turn their living room into a holy moly set. <laughs> I mean, if you're five, that's perfectly acceptable. Yes. That's the target demo, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, holy moly. Good for Steph. Have I told you my Steph Curry story? No. So, I played a bandit a couple years ago with uh, my dad and brother. We got a four caddy, which is just one dude who kind of walks around and tells you where to hit the ball. He said, uh, the Warriors... Or big, big fans of golf. He gets out there with uh, Steph and Andre Iguodala and Draymond. And I think I think Clay maybe rounds out the foursome. So anyway. Steve Kerr's into it too. Steve, Yeah, he probably is. Steve Kerr. So they, uh, they came out to Bandon. This young man caddied for him. And he said, Steph from the tips shot one under out there. So yeah, I from not the tips did not shoot one under. <laughs> so Steph's. Not only better at basketball than you, but he's better at golf than you, too. Sadly, he is. Ah. Uh, there, there, there are a few things that uh, I'm better at than Steph Curry. We'll keep looking and find out what they are, though. <laughs> anyway, good on him for this, this gift to Howard University. It's, uh, it's a big deal. Nick, um, you seem concerned with the pace of play, looking from our rundown here. Well, no, I, I just slow play has been in the news a lot lately, and... I just don't know how, like, how much does slow play in golf on the PGA Tour and on the Joe Simons Tour like, affect you? On the PGA Tour, it affects me zero percent. I don't. I don't care. Yeah. It, it, 
I'm sure for those guys out there, it's annoying. And, you know, it's it's interesting to watch someone play slow occasionally. I like that the best players in the world do play fast, by and large. Um, yeah, I don't care if they play slow in the PGA Tour. Do, do you? No, I don't, especially because the, you know, NBC and CBS know when someone's going to hit a shot so they can show you something else. You're not, you're not watching a dude stand over a putt and read it from every angle. You're just watching him actually hit the putt. So really you could care less. Don't even notice. And like the, the clip that they kept showing of Bryson where he, you know, whatever they showed him his whole routine. If that sounds like that's not every single shot, which it was funny because he didn't even sniff the hole. But um, again, if you do, if, if there's like an important shot and you take extra time once a side or whatever, not really a big deal. But and then I started thinking, like, obviously on the course when when you're playing and there's like a packed course on a Saturday morning, you want it to speed up. But I don't know how much it affects me more then. But I don't really know how much is controllable, like how much faster you could really make it other than people just looking for balls all the time. I don't know. But I, I, I want to get your take on on when you're actually playing, how much how much of an issue is it and how much of it is solvable? I will say when I'm playing, obviously, fast is preferred. <laughs> I mean, no one wants to deliberately be a slow player or be known as a slow player. But as far as groups around me, um, I think a lot of that has to do with golf courses and golf courses, I think, should do a better job of spacing out tee times. This every seven minute stuff, especially on a weekend. Oh, no. I get that you're trying to cram more people on the course because it's obviously more revenue, more greens fees. But you are, I think, in the long term, hurting yourself like, OK, let me let me let me pose this to you. If you went to a course where you knew the tee times were 15 minutes apart, but you had to pay 25 percent more to play at that course. Would you consider that, or it's, would would the money immediately be like, I'm, I'm not, that's dumb, I'll just wait? Well, I don't know. But I don't know. That's a good question. Because, I mean, because, versus what, eight minutes, eight minutes stagger? Yeah, because, I mean, that, that ultimately is the factor. Because yeah. you're going to have groups no matter what. You're going to lose golf balls, and you're going to be looking for golf balls, and there's going to be par fives where someone's going to hit a good tee shot, and the proper thing to do is wait. Like, if you're 215 out – and you can hit your five wood to 25, you have to wait. Like there's no, there's no point in like laying up or scaring the group in front of you. I don't know. Perhaps courses could do a better job of building things within the course to instruct golfers, uh, to play up. Like if you have a par three, that's over 200 yards, hit your tee shot, walk up to the green, allow the group behind you to hit up. Then you play out the hole and keep that going. Short par fours, the same sort of thing. Like you see it on the PGA Tour all the time. When yeah. there's a drivable par four, they'll hit up, walk, get to their ball, step off the green, allow the group behind them to tee off, and so on and so on. So you are able to speed up play in that way. I just, I don't think I've ever been to a course, or maybe like one or two, where there's actual signage to instruct people on the course who don't know or wouldn't think to do these sorts of things because it's uncommon little things throughout the course of the round to speed things up. So I think it's possible in a couple of ways, but ultimately it's incumbent upon the golf course to actually put those things in place so people know what to do and know how to behave. Yeah. I guess my my biggest takeaway is I think slow play is something that's always going to be talked about, but it's never going to be solved. 
And I just don't think even even those little things that you fix, I think might shave like over the course of a four and a half hour round, if that's what you're saying is a slow round. Like, what are you gonna shave? Six, seven, maybe ten minutes? And like I, I just don't think it's gonna make a difference. Yeah, I mean there are often times I'll say where I feel like I'm playing a slow round and I feel like I'm playing a fast round. And the gap between those two rounds is like 15 minutes. It's it's yeah. it's not really that much. You're gonna unless you're Twilight cart by yourself out there where you're like playing a nine and 45 minutes and really cruising, you're kind of gonna be around four hours, give or take 45 minutes either way. Yeah, for sure. So, so I just, do we I all just... do we all just need to chill, Nick? Is that is that the synopsis here? Yeah, I think you just gotta deal with it. I just think it's part of the game. I mean, like outside of being absurdly slow, but. I think it's just it just is what it is. I don't yeah, think like there's I had a, any real way to speed it up. Well, it's funny because you say that because I had a round the other day and we were behind this group and they were a foursome and they were all walking. And, you know, me and my buddy got paired up with a father and son and they were getting really pissed at these guys, like getting the marshal involved. And I was like thinking to myself, we've waited like on two holes out of 14 so far. This has not been that big of a deal. And then I started thinking about it because – you know, it just there was an awkward tension between them and us, and it's just totally unnecessary. Like, unless, like you said, it's completely egregious and holes are taking like a half an hour, twenty minutes apiece, then say something. But I don't know, man. It's like it's like when you order sourdough toast and they bring you rye, but everything else is correct. <laughs> Maybe just have the wrong toast. It's not that big of a deal. Just, just deal with it. No, it's the perfect analogy. Slow play is like rye, rye toast. <laughs> um so nick what golf course were you playing recently <laughs> my man so uh i went i went down to uh southern connecticut uh for a for a soccer match and uh before the match that i get a little nine holes of golf in so i had no idea what the town no idea about the golf course literally just google maps what what golf course is closest to my route and allows public and so i pulled up to um this golf course and I want to say it was like 22, 2300 yards for a nine hole course, which is perfectly fine. Hell yeah. Um, it's the kind of place where I would say half the people out there probably were playing their only round of golf of the year or of the half decade or what, you know, <laughs> just, it is, which is great. Again, I think that, I think that is great. Um, and I didn't really have a problem with it. Um, I got to the seventh hole, which was a 197 yard par four. Oh, um, and I'm like, this is brutal. Well, I've always thought my my theory has always been like, par doesn't matter. You know what I mean? If it's if it's a 450 yard hole, like five's a good score, whether they call it a par four or not. You know what I mean? And if it's a 225 yard par three, four's a good score, and five's not going to kill you either. You know? So I've never really, I've always thought like, who cares what the sign says? Until I got to this hole, and <laughs> then I really cared. Describe never, the hole. Just pretty straight um <laughs> it was just a joe it was 197 yard par three that's what it was with but but it said it was a par four i mean there was no like water there might have been a bunker there was no like dog leg there was no probably not even really a fairway really it was just a just a par three with a collar on the green and whatever and uh so i thought it was weird and i i almost chipped in for two and I just would have had a, a real hard time making an eagle on a 197-yard par four. I ended up making a three, which, again, feels weird to call that a birdie. Now, I don't want to sound like 
a rude golf partner here, but would that have been your maiden eagle? No, I, okay. I have one, but it would have been, but like, it would have been my second eagle, which still, yeah. So I would have had a problem with that. I don't know. It just, it just felt weird. So anyways, next hole is that exact same thing. It was, you know, those holes where you play one and then the, the green, the tee box is next to the green and the green is next to the tee box. So it was the exact same thing. 204 yard par three, par four. I'm sorry. Um, and then the last hole, this is what, what really inspired me to put this down on the rundown, Joe. Tell me it's a 500-yard par four. <laughs> no, no, nothing to do with par. Just more to do with the clientele. So I hit my tee shot, and it's, it, there's like 15 yards of rough between the, the first fairway and the ninth fairway. And uh, some guy in the, in the first fairway drives up like, to where my ball is. We're all walking off the tee box. And like, I see him stop at my ball and look down. And I just assumed that he was checking if it was his ball and, and moving on. I didn't want to be accusatory. Uh, and then he came into the fairway and hit his actual ball and drove off. And I get up there and he stole my ball just out of the, the, the rough when we're like, <laughs> walking on. The, we clearly just teed off and we're walking up the fairway. He just pulled my ball straight out of this like little <laughs> stretch a rough in between the two fairways okay like, a couple of questions a, a couple of questions so first of all you said you were on the ninth tee mm-hmm. was he within shouting distance when you saw him at your ball or would it have been a stretch yeah, uh i, I could have shouted he was probably 100 yards away but i could have i could have got his attention but again at this point i was going to give him the benefit of the doubt like i'm not going to accuse somebody of stealing my ball from 100 yards away and starts to be so yeah. I, I gave him the benefit of the doubt as much as this man seems like he is the one to blame in this situation, you have established a lot in that no one knows what the hell they're doing out there in relation right. to par and where golf balls <laughs> should be. So I would venture to say this may be on you, young Nicholas. Really? Just say, look, you got to protect your golf ball out there. There were, Okay, so there was there was a golf cart. He was in a golf cart. He was in a, a cart. Okay, that's that's interesting too. Um, yeah, it sounds like there was no indication that anyone knew what they were doing at any point. So that's on, this on me. I think so. Wow. Because um, then, when I by the time I got to where my ball was, he was riding off into the sunset, and uh, I I wasn't mad about the ball, Joe. I have two hundred freaking Vice Pros sitting in my, but I was just I couldn't control my. I was so mad. I yeah. Was, I don't know why I'm mad. It was, it just that just that set me over the edge. It's always the principle of the thing. It is like it is. It's never it's never about the golf ball. Golf balls come and go. It's like money. You're gonna lose them. It happens. But it did have an Astern logo on it. So maybe that maybe that man is gonna listen to this podcast and maybe he'll shoot it to me in the mail. No way. I mean, he, I'm sure he lost it two swings later. <laughs> <laughs> uh what was the name of this course, Nick? Um. Don't it say was, it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's nothing on the course. It was in it was in uh, Hamden, Connecticut. I was down at uh, Quinnipiac. Um, did, did the uh, mm. was this? Did this course have a, a a rating from the United States Golf Association? Yes. Cut it out. What was yeah. the? Do you do you have the card? It was like sixty four. It was oh like sixty four and one oh three. I think. Yo, if you're trying to improve your handicap, <laughs> get out to Hammond, Connecticut, folks. Wow. No way, dude. You got to shoot like 600 par just to <laughs> not hurt your handicap. I mean, you're... I guess you're... there's two guaranteed birdies <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> built in. You, it, this is basically... 
This is basically the tour championship. You start to under par on this yeah, golf course. That, that's a really good way of looking at it, for <laughs> sure. Um, Where okay, but at what point do you pick up a golf ball on the golf course? Like I, I will never pick up a ball because one time I did pick up a ball, and then somebody was searching in that area, and I was like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. If it's a golf course, I know. Then there are spots where I'll pick up a golf ball where it's like there's no earthly way this came from anyone who's a there's no one behind there's no way me. somebody's looking for this ball exactly right if it's on a course that I've never been before I'm touching literally nothing because I don't know sight lines if someone's trying to cut corners if there's a shank like if you're in a shank zone you have no idea because my god it can happen at any time <laughs> um, ge- generally speaking I never see a ball attractive enough to where it's worth putting in my pocket like. Okay, if you see a brand new, like, Vice Pro Plus golf ball or, like, a Titleist Pro V1, uh, I'm going to consider it. I'm going to consider I, it. I've, I've passed up probably a half dozen Pro V1s this year just, just because I literally only pick up a golf ball and stick it in my pocket if it's, like, if I'm out of bounds searching for my ball or basically, basically off the course. Like, not anywhere, certainly not in the patch of rough between two fairways. That would have been a good name for this podcast between two <laughs> fairways. <laughs> oh, man. Have we accomplished? Well, look, I think we accomplished something. The Ryder Cup President's Cup thing. I, I, I think we accomplished that. So that if you was... listen to the first five minutes of this podcast, you got all you're getting out of it. Yeah, but hey, thanks for sticking with us. I mean, really. Um, do you have anything else? That's it. That's it? Hey, big shouts to Ernie Els. He's going to be on the Champions Tour starting in October. That'll be fun. I got oh the uh, look the, out, uh, look out, Langer. I got the I got the Champions Tour Learning Center on in the background on mute. I'm not okay. I wasn't gonna bring this up, but I have to now. Okay. I literally saw the best golf tip I've ever seen in my life. Not tip, drill. It's a drill. So, okay. uh, Rich Lerner was talking to to old man Norman in the straw hat about how to make a two to four foot putt. How do you make these guarantee 100 percent of the time? And he showed this amazing drill where he's like, basically what people do is they quit at the ball and they just kind of wish the ball to go in as opposed to just hitting it at the back of the cup. So he says what his drill is, you don't take a backstroke. Line up like you're going to hit a putt and just push it toward the hole. Like take no backstroke and just push it. Because really all – This is the drill. What you're doing is, he said, put a bunch of balls around in a circle two, three feet away and just push them into the hole. And what you're teaching yourself basically is to accelerate to the cup. And not take a big backswing and die at the ball. And look, when Greg said it, Nick, it made a lot of sense to me. So I'm going to get out. Not today. It's pretty damn hot in Portland today. But when it cools off, I'm going to get out there and try it. I'm, uh, I'm excited. And also, oh. I, I talked to a 25-year-old yesterday. He didn't know who Greg Norman was. And I was kind, oh. of, uh, kind of appalled. That's, that's terrible. He's, that's the man it's... who spent the second longest time as the ranked number one golfer in the world behind Tiger Woods. Is it getting to the point where that's that's saying more about us than him? No. I mean, probably. Like, no. well, think about it. What was the that last was Greg relevant Norman. thing Greg Norman did? Put out a, a brand that people are still wearing today. He did. he did. You know he was married to Chris Everett for like 18 months, like 10 years ago? No. I missed do that. You know who, do you know who Chris Everett is? Tennis player. There you go. Okay. He didn't know who Chris Everett was either. <laughs> He's like, oh, so <laughs> I'm just, not even gonna go there. No, so. you're normal young person. You're normal young person. Ugh, yeah. 
Stop talking to 25-year-olds. I, I, I have to. They have nothing to offer me. Okay, thank you so much for listening to this episode of At The Turn. Hey, guess what? We got a promo code back. It's Mulligan. M-U-L-L-I-G-A-N. Mulligan. At Vice.com. Vicegolf.com. Go there. You're going to get free shipping anywhere in the U.S. NBA season's right around the corner, Nick. You can get those free NBA logos stamped on your golf balls. I know you're excited for the Pistons season, right? Andre Drummond, Blake Griffin. I don't even know if I could tell you who the Pistons head coach is. It's Chuck Daly. Vicegolf.com. No, it's definitely not. For a second, you had me. (laughs) I was going to say, you said it's not, but you looked at me like, uh, is Chuck Daly still the coach of the Pistons? I don't think Chuck Daly's with us anymore. But anyway, vicegolf.com, promo code Mulligan, M-U-L-L-I-G-A-N. What's our next order of business in this podcast? Well, we promised the fans a Solheim Cup preview, and that's coming up. Okay. I want you to dig into it. I will. Michelle, we got married. Wow, good for her. That's our. That's the extent of our LPGA news. Bre- We're doing a terrible job hearts everywhere. LPGA. I know. We're going to step it up, though. Okay, Solheim Cup. Let's do a pure Solheim Cup preview, and then we'll do our silly business the next episode. Yeah, love it. You're into that? Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. And um, Mulligan, we'll see you soon. I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time at The Turn.